John and I apprenticed ourselves, I think would be the, the term that we would use, to the elders at the time, um, because we, uh, we were hungry to, learn, to know more of God and to grow in him. And uh, so it's great to have John back with us. Um, I'm proud to call him a friend. And um, welcome home. Welcome home. So um, we may need to just turn this on. Is that working, Dave? Sounds like it. Stick that back in your pocket. One, two, three. It's back in your pocket. Thank you. Rattled on my chick tacks, didn't it? (laughs) (laughs) So just let me know when you want me to do that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, folks, I've asked uh, Craig if he'll just do the reading for me, and then, uh, then we'll proceed, okay? Thank you, Craig. So Leviticus 6 starting at verse 9. Well, in fact, I'm going to start at 8, if that's okay. The Lord commanded Moses to give Aaron and his sons the following regulations for burnt offerings. A burnt offering is to be left on the altar all night long, and the fire is to be kept burning. Then the priest wearing his linen robe and linen shorts shall remove the greasy ashes left on the altar and put them at the side of the altar. Then he shall change his clothes and take the ashes outside the camp to a ritually clean place. Is that it? Okay, is that 13? Oh, right. Up to 13. The, the fire on the altar must be kept burning and never allowed to go out. Every morning the priest shall put firewood on it, arrange the burnt offering on it, and burn the fat of the fellowship offering. The fire must always be kept burning on the altar and never allowed to go out. Hallelujah. Thank you. (laughs) Wow. Thank you, Craig. Right. Just uh, before I get into the message, just uh, two quick um, sort of adverts, if if I can speed through them. Uh, The first one is... um, I do want to mention my books because uh, I know there's a lot of people uh, joined the fellowship since I left and uh, some of you won't know me. Uh, but in the last, um, well, as I, as I indicated to the kids, God's done some remarkable things in my life. And um, from 60 to 70, it's been just, it's just got even more amazing. And as a, as a kid, I, uh, I lacked confidence. I was very, very shy. And um, as, I, as I said, I didn't do that well at school, mainly because I had no confidence academically. Um, and I had lots and lots of fears in my life. And a, a big desire, once I found out I could never be a professional footballer, which was my big dream, the next thought I had was to be a writer and write about sport. And that never happened for various reasons. But anyway, that was my dream as a teenager, to be a writer. Since I turned 60, I've published three books. It's never too late, folks. And it all came about because someone at work encouraged me. And my second book is really about the power of encouragement. 
Encouragement is a wonderful thing, and some of us need lots and lots and lots of it because the negatives in our lives growing up were so strong that it takes a lot of encouragement to break that discouragement because as much as people tell us how good we are or what our gifts are, we don't believe it. And even though we read it in the Word of God, still it's really, really hard to battle the negatives in our lives, the seeds that have been sown, the, the strongholds in our mind. And with me, it took lots of encouragement at work uh, to break that stronghold and to enable me to break out and to begin to uh, fulfill more of the God-given potential in my life. And to cut a long story short, over those few years, God moved amazingly in my life in the civil service that eventually led to me not only writing books, but being awarded an MBE for inspiring so many people across the civil service in the UK. You know, it's amazing. I, I still hardly believe what's happened to me, but God took a, a hand in my life. And my second book, I say, is, is loosely about that. It's called Bizarro Palace to Buckingham Palace. And it's a bit mysterious title, but you'll find out if you buy the book. But really, it's, it's loaded with encouragement and inspiration. So I've, I've got that book here today, and I, I'm, it's on special offer for five quid, okay? But I've also got my, my larger testimony book, which, uh, which really is the story. Well, it's a story of everything. It's, it's a story of uh, um, the, the fears in my life before going blind and after, and how I overcame them in, in God. It's about the fun that I've had, the mistakes I've made, the embarrassing moments. And there's a whole section on fun because I really believe we need to have more fun in life. We need to laugh a lot more. So there's a whole section of the book on fun where I've got loads and loads of funny stories. And then the main section of the book is about faith and it's about my walk with God right up almost to, to 10 years ago. And the highs and lows, the successes and failures, the mistakes and all that sort of stuff. And, and people love the fact that it's so honest. And Fear, Fun and Faith is available for 10 quid. And then my, my last book, which I published last year, is called Beautiful Game, Beautiful Memories. It's a celebration of me growing up in Birmingham with my dad and going to football, falling in love with the beautiful game, and how I became an Aston Villa supporter. It's about ma memories of matches and players. And, um, and then he, going blind at the age of 19, he contrasts what it's like as a sighted supporter with being a blind supporter. But it's not just about that, it's not just about Aston Villa, but it's got some of my reflections, some of my thoughts about the game today. Hopefully it has a prophetic edge to it as well. And for those who aren't Christians, it's, uh, it's ideal because it's just, got, it's just light, lightly, lightly flavoured with, uh, uh, with, with Christian thought and ideas and uh, my own testimony and testimony of Christian footballers and things like that. So it's, it's an ideal present to, to give to someone in your family. I felt very, very strongly that we should have a Christian bookshop and cafe in Solihull. And of course, a little while later, um, I can't remember when, or around about that time anyway, Revelation Books was born. And it, that, that, of course, came out of Solihull Christian Fellowship. A couple in the church here really had that desire. And initially, they wanted to be in Solihull, but it ended up in Shirley um, for various reasons. Uh, but God still, that's still burning my heart about Solihull. And every now and again, I've prayed about it and just thought about it. But two and a half years ago, during the week of prayer for Christian unity, Nick Cuthbert was the speaker. And during his message, he said that there are people sitting here today and there's something in your heart that's been there a long time. 
and it's almost died, but it's never quite died. It's, it's still there in your heart. And God is looking for a catalyst. If you don't, act, if you don't rise up and be a catalyst, it will never happen. And it, it just went off in my spirit. It came alive again. And this time it has gripped me for life. I know I will take this with me to the grave. This is something that is in my heart now. God requires a Christian bookshop and cafe in Solihull. And I feel God even gave me the name in a vision called Carpenters. Well, I began to share this around with a few people. Over the last 18 months or so, we've had about a dozen people meeting together to pray about this. And a short while ago, we, uh, we decided to just uh, suspend the prayer meetings until God gives us further strategy. So we're waiting on God for strategy. But if this is something you feel, because I believe all over Solio, God has spoken to people about this issue over the years. And like me, you've put it to one side. said, oh, well, that's nice. Yeah, that would be wonderful. But you never thought there was anything. You, now, now, now is the time. God is speaking to people now all over the borough, Christians. And I'm just trying to get the message out. And if there's one person here, and that is you, I know Eric feels this in his heart. But if there's anybody else here who feels that, then do email me and let me know so that I can put you on our mailing list to let you know of developments and what God is doing. Okay? All right. With that, we'll just, we'll just quiet our hearts for a moment and uh, we'll have a little prayer. Father, I just commit this word to you now. Lord, you gave me this in an amazing way. And Lord, it just refreshed me. And I, I really, Lord, I want this to refresh uh, people here this morning, Lord. I want everyone to go away from me refreshed because of what you have done. God, you're amazing, Lord. And I pray that you would give us open hearts and be open ears and receptive hearts, Lord, to hear your word today and help us to obey what you're saying. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. During the First World War, <laughs> and I wasn't around then, of course, and uh, I guess none of you were either, but during the First World War, one of the biggest hits going around, you know, I, I love my music, I, I really enjoy uh, singing and music and stuff, and uh, it, so during the First World War, one of the biggest hits going around was called Keep the Home Fires Burning. And that's not a bad bit of advice. And in fact, that's probably the, the whole theme of my message today. It's keep the home fires burning. The title I gave was Revive the Fire. Revive the Fire. In 1 Timothy chapter, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, Timothy, fan into flame, fan into flame that gift. Stir up the gift that's within you, but fan it into flame. There's great gift within you. There's great potential. The prophetic word, the anointing is on your life. There's destiny on your life, but you must fan it into flame. Don't allow discouragement to overwhelm you, but fan it into flame again. Stir up that gift that is within you. God in Scripture often moved through fire. When God wanted to reveal his presence to Moses, he appeared in a bush that wasn't consumed. And then later, when God was leading the children of Israel through the wilderness, he, he led them at night by tongues of fire. And throughout the Old Testament, there are many references to fire. 
John the Baptist was preaching his heart out and say, look, there's one coming after me who will not just baptize you in water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Exciting stuff. The Holy Ghost and the fire. I love, uh, I love the book of uh, 1 Thessalonians. And in chapter 5 it says, um, it says, do not put out the Spirit's fire. And that really goes back to what Craig read to us from Leviticus. Three times in those few verses, God said, the fire must not go out. It's a command to the priests. And today, you and I are the priests. The Bible set, teaches us that we're, we're prophets, priests, and kings to our God. So therefore, in our priestly role, God says, the fire must not go out. It's, it's, a, it's a command from God. The responsibility is on us. I'm so glad we sang the hymn today, Send the Fire. It's one of my favorites. I love playing it at home. And I know what that means. And God sees our heart when we're just hungry for the fire of God. And God understands our hearts. I don't think God gets all hung up with words like we do sometimes because God looks on the heart. But I've been a great one over the years. Like, God, send the fire. Lord, we need another Pentecost. I've been crying out to God for his presence as I do often. But at the same time, the old saying is that God helps those who help themselves. But I think it's important that we realize that within each one of us who know and love Jesus Christ, there is a fire already. And the commandment of God is to keep the fire burning brightly. But you and I know that it's so easy for the fire to grow dim. It's so easy for us to grow weary, discouraged, disappointed, hurt, rejected. All kinds of things can cram into our lives so that the fire does not burn as brightly as it should. And today, the heart of God is this. God wants to revive the fire in you. And he wants you to... It's a partnership. God will do his part when you do your part and I do mine. And God wants you to play your part in reviving the fire in your spirit. And if you're already burning brightly, well, God says, hey, burn brighter, burn ever more. Let the fire grow within you so that people see, so that you are ever more effective in your witness for Jesus Christ. But the, 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 the command is to keep the fire burning. Now, interestingly, I mean, it only just hit me when Craig read it there, and I've read this many times, but when Craig just said it there, it's about the priests in their shorts, in their linen shorts. Anybody here today in their linen shorts? <laughs> um, uh, you know, I was tempted, but um, I, it's, it's, I, I, this, this year, as I, I mentioned earlier, I've, I've been a Christian um, 50 years next month, and I've been saying to people, do you know, I think I've wore shorts more this summer than I have in the whole previous 50 years put together. Uh, so I've, I've, I've never been too proud about my legs, you know. Uh, but never mind, that's another story. <laughs> um, but also, I've, I've probably eaten more ice lollies this year than I've had in the previous 50 years. But that's an aside. God wants to bring revival. God wants to bring, you know, I, I just love the prayers for revival. I've got a whole uh, paper on them which I printed off the internet with prayers for revival. But the, the greatest revival of all for you and me, is when we experience personal revival. When you, ex you know, the old song, you say, start the work in me. Start the work in me. 
And I hope that's the cry of your heart today. That you're saying, Lord, start the work in me. Lord, I want that fire to burn brightly again. I want to rekindle the passion for you, Jesus. I want to revive the fire in my own heart. You know, I want to discover again the joy of that first love. When I first came to know you, Jesus, I really want to know that fire. There might be some here today, one or two perhaps, and you don't know Jesus yet. And you think, what's this all about? But you really would like to know God. Let me say this. When, when someone comes to know Jesus, and I mentioned earlier to the kids that I gave my life to Jesus Christ 50 years ago next month at Westminster Chapel, my one and only visit. I opened up my heart in prayer. Someone led me in a prayer to open up my heart and to give my life to Jesus Christ. And he said, you may, not, you may feel something, you may not, but that's not important. He said, what is important is in a month's time, you'll know that you're different. And I knew I was different. The Bible calls it being born again. When you actually surrender your life to Jesus Christ, a miracle takes place. A bit like, I was thinking about it, a bit like Mary, when the Holy Spirit came to her and said, you're going to conceive a child. Well, that's impossible because she didn't know it. She, she didn't, she'd never been with a man. But she was going to conceive miraculously. And when you and I are born again, Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. Nicodemus said, well, how can I be born again? I'm already born. But look, this is a miracle, new birth. This is about a new creation. And when you come to Jesus and you give him your life, a miracle takes place. The Bible says we are born again of incorruptible seed. Corruptible puts on incorruptible. We are born again. There's a, a new life. We don't even get a new start in life, but we get a new life to start. And that's what it is. The old life dies. When you become a Christian, the old life dies. The old failures, the old weaknesses, the old sins, uh, all the old things die with you. And God raises you up as a completely new person, able to forgive, able to love, able to be kind and generous, able to give away far more than you receive. It's an amazing thing that God does. It is a miraculous conversion that takes place when you surrender your life to Jesus Christ. And in my mind, what God does, he sets a little light inside your spirit. You know, the kids think, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And we say, let it shine here, there, and everywhere. I remember we used to have a, a group on Damsonwood. We'd say, let it shine all over Damsonwood. I'm going to let it shine. You know, let the light shine. It's a light. And I like to think of it like this. It's like a pilot light. It's a pilot light, like on your central heating system. And when the temperature drops, the pilot light ignites, and wow, and the fire starts to burn. The radiators get hot, and they radiate warmth wherever they go. And God wants to ignite your pilot light, so that that light, no matter how down you feel, no matter how disappointed you are, no matter how wrong things have got, no matter how difficult life's challenges are in your own physical being, there's still a pilot light within you. And it's a miraculous light that will never go out. Because God has said he will never leave nor forsake you. The light, no matter how dim your light becomes, your light will never go out. But you need to fan it into flame. In this passage, Leviticus, 
apart from the white linen shorts, <laughs> uh, God said about the ashes. See, it's a lot of people today, that they, and I admit that nice, on a winter's night, coal fires are beautiful, and the wood, the wood burners are fantastic, marvellous. But hey, give me the central eating any time. Well, I'm probably a bit lazy. I don't like the idea of having to come down in the morning, remove the ashes, and then build a new fire. But in the spirit, that's what we have to do. In the spirit, we have to come down each morning and we have to remove the ashes of yesterday. Just as the priests were told in Leviticus. We have to remove the ashes. Now, the ashes speak to me of good and bad stuff. The bad stuff of yesterday, we can forget it. We can, it says, move, remove it far away outside the city walls. Remove it out. Take the ashes out. But that's also the good things that happened yesterday. We cannot live on the good of yesterday. We cannot live on yesterday's anointing, yesterday's successes, and we cannot mourn over yesterday's failures. But it's ashes. Whatever it is, it's ashes. They go, they've got to go outside the camp. We remove them in prayer. We just say, be gone in Jesus' name. We remove them. And then we begin to build fresh fire. So you might ask me, John, that's all very well. But how do you build fresh fire? How do you get the fire burning again? And I want to just give you a few things that have helped me over the years to keep the fire burning and to, and to stoke it up and to get it going again. Because I don't know about you folks, there's a, there's a wonderful movement in our country amongst younger people. God is doing some amazing things with the teenagers and the young folks across the country and churches where there are thriving with youngsters who are just full of passion for Jesus. But as an older person, I don't want to let them overtake me. I want to run for all I'm worth. I want to be full of the fire of God. And one of the great things about being older, when, you're, when the enthusiasm of youth departs, <laughs> You know, because when you're young, you, you can do a lot of natural enthusiasm. It, it may be partly the anointing, but very much it's youthful enthusiasm and energy. And when that's all gone, and you ain't got much left, you have to rely on the anointing. You have to rely on the leading of the Holy Spirit. Because if you start doing things in your own strength, you'll soon get worn out. And it's important to listen to what God is saying. Listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying. And if God is saying enough is enough, that is the end of that season, that is fine. God had to say, I had to realize that my wonderful 10 years in the settled service, traveling around, sharing Jesus with all these non-Christians across, across the country, wasn't going to last forever. There came a time when that would end. And now God has had to say, this is a new season. This is a season where... Uh, I'm not traveling around so much. I'm not doing so much. But I'm actually being. I'm, being. I'm learning to be a carer to my sick wife. I'm just learning to be there for her, to listen, to understand about dementia, and to care for her. And to, 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 be, the ex, to be the very best carer and husband I can for my wife at this time in my life. This is a new season. I'm not kicking against it, but I'm embracing it in Jesus. I'm not saying it's easy. It's hard to adapt. It's hard to be flexible. But I'm learning. I'm embracing the season. And that's what God wants you to do in your life. He wants you to embrace the seasons of God. But let's look at how we, 
how we stoke up the fire, how we, how we keep the fire burning. And I just, I, I think 1, Th- 1 Thess- Thessalonians 5 is a magnificent help for this. Because right in the middle there, you've got this, this verse about do not put out the Spirit's fire or do not quench the Holy Spirit. And all around are practical verses that I think are a real help that uh, either to stoke the fire or, or guidance as to uh, advice about how not to quench the Holy Spirit. You see, we, we quench the Holy Spirit when we grumble and complain. We quench the Holy Spirit when we're resentful. We quench the Holy Spirit when we have unforgiveness in our heart. We quench the Holy Spirit when we're full of anger. We quench the Holy Spirit when we become hard-hearted. When we become tight-fisted. These are all attributes which do not belong to God. And these are things which will grieve and quench the Holy Spirit. They're all attitudes of the flesh, which we're all prone to from time to time. But we have to watch it and be on our guard against these worldly attitudes. Selfishness, greed, all these kinds of things will quench the Holy Spirit. But also in this passage in 1 Thessalonians 5, are some very helpful things. Rejoice always. Rejoice. Rejoicing is a wonderful way of um, uh, allowing the Holy Spirit to flow in your life. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything, not for everything, but in everything, give thanks. Let there be a spirit of thanksgiving emanating from the very depths of your being, and that will ensure that the fire will burn brightly. That will mark you out as a person who is different. Boy, we need thankful people around today. Prophesy. That's another good one. You think, prophesy? I can't do that. Of course you can. If you're full of the Holy Spirit, you can prophesy. Prophesy is to exhort, to encourage, and comfort. And if you have a desire to exhort someone, to spur them on, to encourage them, and to comfort them, you can prophesy. All you have to do is come out with the words to speak to people. One of my favorite stories is from a, a, one, of, one of the great leaders in this country and around the world who only went to be with the Lord just over a week ago, a guy called Barney Coombs. He planted hundreds of churches and was responsible for pioneering the salt and light network of churches across the, this country and around the world. And Barney Coombs used to be full of really practical illustrations. And I got, I got loads of them stored up in my memory. Um, yeah, Bar- Barney was just, just brilliant at this and um, he was a great one for sharing, um, sharing about God and uh, wonderful things and just a story, I'll just pass this one on it's just coming to my mind now uh, it might just help someone but he, him and his wife were just uh, shopping and they were looking for some, uh, some curtain material and they'd been in this shop for a good hour and um, at the end of the hour Barney's wife said, I'm really sorry, my dear, to the lady. She said, no, there's, there's nothing that I really like. And Barney just looked into this lady assistant's eye, and he could see she looked very, very sad. And he said, my dear, are you okay? He said, you look a bit weary. And she began to cry. And um, 
Anyway, they, they, they locked the shop door and she just poured out her heart. And uh, the end of the story is she, she did become a Christian and she be, did become part of the church in Basingstoke. But Barney just made the point. He said, if you are sensitive to God, you only have to look into people's eyes and you can see. And he said, she looked weary in the way. And there are many people, as you go about your daily life, as you go around the shops, if you look them in the eye, if you, if you, if you slow down enough to look at people with the eyes of Jesus, you will see that they're weary in the way. And maybe you can speak a word of encouragement, exhortation and comfort. But the other thing that Barney was teaching on one day was on prophecy. And he had been teaching in his church, and then this one Sunday morning, this guy stood up, shaking from head to toe, and he said, that's such the Lord, do it. And he sat down, and he felt a failure. He thought that was terrible. There was a hush around the room. And he felt he should get up and say, try again. So he said, do it. And again, he couldn't say anymore, and he just sat down. And he was feeling a real sense of failure, but he felt the Holy Spirit said, do it again. So he stood up again, he said, do it. And he sat down, and to the rest of the service, he felt like an abject failure. At the end of the service, a lady came running up to him, gave him a great big hug, and said, I want to thank you for that word from God. He said, really? He said, I thought I really screwed that up. She said, no. She said, me and my husband have been praying for months that God would show us whether we should do it or not. <laughs> and Barney made the point that, look, prophecy is easy. It doesn't have to be long. It just could be one or two words like that. You say to someone or it's in a public meeting. It doesn't have to be long. But that was sharp, wasn't it? It was really sharp. And in our weakness, God will manifest his strength. So... 1 Thessalonians 5 says about it, we should, we should seek to prophesy. And Paul encouraged to prophesy on, on many occasions. So rejoicing, thanksgiving, and praise. Praise an amazing way to, to ignite the fire and to get the fire burning. Praise, celebration, just dancing before the Lord. Even when you don't feel like it, it looks crazy. But when you do it, something ignites on the inside. And then one of the best things I've found is to actually praise in, in tongues, praise in the Spirit, and praising in tongues, you know, that again releases the prophetic. It releases visions and stuff. And just going back to prophecy for a moment, for the last couple of months, um, a group of us have been meeting together to pray for my wife that we'd see a breakthrough in her condition. And, uh, you know, a few friends have been meeting together to pray. And at the end of this one prayer meeting, the lady said, John, before we go, I think we should pray for you. And the folk came over and they laid hands on my head and they prayed for me. And I realize now that those hands that were laid on me were prophetic. I didn't realize anything had happened at the time. I didn't realize I was dry. But that night when I went to bed, and I sleep, I sleep right next to my wife in the lounge. She's in a hospital bed, and I'm in a recliner chair right beside her. And as I was lying there, I just went to bed really, really peaceful after the prayer meeting. And I woke up in the early hours, and the Word of God was flowing through me. 
And this word that you're hearing today just flowed into my spirit. It flowed all the scriptures, all the passages. They just flowed through me and energized me. And I felt the fire light up within me. The fire of God, it revived me. That, that laying on of hands and that, that those, those prophetic prayers, they ignited something within me. Hallelujah. So that, that's what happens. It's supernatural, folks. But the responsibility is on you and me to keep the fire burning. Three times in that passage from Leviticus chapter 6, the command of God to the priests is the fire must not go out. It must keep on burning. It wasn't God's responsibility. It was the priest's responsibility. And it is your responsibility to keep the fire burning. Now, just want to be quiet for a moment while we pray. We're going to wait on God.